0: So today we continue on with the series, preaching series of Win the Day, and uh, again, this is a preaching series based upon the, the, the different uh, principles of God's Word found in, in this book uh, by the same title, Win the Day, by Mark Batterson, and, uh, but there's scriptural principles here we're going through as well, too, and, and it's going to lead us through what it means to do these different things, these different habits that will help us be able to win the day. And uh, uh, today we're going to be looking at something maybe you haven't really thought of before. And if you thought about doing it, you're thinking, well, how in the world am I going to kiss the wave? You usually drown if I do something like that, you know, <laughs> smacked in the face with water. That's no fun. But uh, hope, hopefully at, at the end of this, you'll understand and uh, get a better sense of what all that means. There is a legend in Judaism about a man named uh, Nashan. And he only gets one begat in the Bible, as you read through the begats. And of course, there's th- that's one more than you and me, but he is a great, great, great grandfather of King David. He, di- he disappears almost as soon as he makes his debut. But uh, Nashan is credited with saving the nation of Israel by one act of courage. After their exodus out of Egypt... The Israelites are trapped between a rock and a hard place, the Egyptian army and a Red Sea. And no one knows what to do. There's no way out. And that's when God issues a very odd command. He says, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, if you got that command, you're looking at yourself what you have before yourself there, the army behind you, water in front of you, you're thinking, forward where? (laughs) Where am I going? and uh, it, but god gives this command the problem with that was uh, there again there's no way forward and according to rabbinic tradition this is when the leader of the tribe of judah steps up and steps into the red sea Nashon wades into the water he wades into the red sea until he is neck deep right up to his nose and that is when and where the red sea splits in half god is the one who makes a sidewalk through the sea, but it was Nashon who was willing to walk where the sidewalk would be. So, not seeing that sidewalk at all, he by faith stepped forward, as God said. There's an old axiom it says, If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Some of you heard that before. Here's one more along the same lines If you want God to make a sidewalk through the sea, wade into the water. You've got to go into it. Most of us spend most of our our lives waiting for God to split the Red Sea when maybe God is waiting for you to get your feet wet. Maybe God is waiting for you to wade into the water a little bit higher. But here's what I know for sure. If you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. And then comes the supernatural in your life. We do our part, God does His, and we don't mix it up. (laughs) You have to take a calculated risk. You have to to make a defining decision. You have to take a flying leap of faith. God will make a sidewalk through the sea, but you have to be willing to kiss the wave. The first step is always the hardest step. And why? Why? because you have to overcome the law of inertia by exercising initiative. You have to overcome fear by exercising faith. You have to take the first step before God reveals that second step. That's what Noshin does. You have to wade into the water, if necessary, right up to your nose. <laughs> so if you haven't yet, you can grab your Bible, and you can meet me in Exodus chapter 14, 14, second second book of the Old Testament, right past Genesis. And let, as you go to that direction, let me set the scene here for a little bit. The Israelites are trapped again between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. It seems like a no-win situation going on there. Death by sword or death by drowning, you choose, you pick your poison. But yourself, uh, if you put yourself in their sandals for a second, you might imagine the sound of horses and chariots off in the distance rumbling. You feel the ground shaking, you hear the rumbling going on. The entire Egyptian army is coming at you full throttle. This is fight or or flight. You're going to stand your ground and fight, or you're going to take off somewhere, just run. And it says the people panicked. But this is also when leaders lead. This is when spirit-led leaders stay calm and carry on. This is when spirit-filled leaders step up and they step in. And that's who Moses is, and that's what Moses does. Now, look with me in verses 13 and 14 of Exodus 14. We're going to see this happening. I'm starting with verse 13. It says, Fear not. Stand still, and you will see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. And then in verse 14, The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. So, three simple thoughts here today as we kiss the wave. Face your fear, take your stand, and then hold your peace. Pretty simple. And we're going to look through those three things here today. Now, I heard about this guy meeting with this pastor friend of his who suffered from migraine headaches. Moments of relief few and far between. Some of you probably experienced that before. I know. Um, Colleen's in experiences that quite a bit at times as well, and it just, just puts her out. She's not able to do much. Uh, Brian Hotram, our conference superintendent, he went through that. In the first part of his ministry years, uh, he was trying to go through seminary and pastor a church at the same time, and he got these migraines that just caused him. He wasn't able to do much at all and be able to study or, or, or read. It just caused him headaches. It's debilitating. It's debilitating. It's awful. Well, the the, the friend had seen specialists and had tried every treatment plan, but nothing seemed to help too much for too long. And the pain became so debilitating that he had to resign from the church he was pastoring. The guy asked him how he managed his emotions along with the physical pain, and the pastor friend told him, I've learned to kiss the wave. And there's that phrase again, what in the world? What do you mean by kiss the wave? The guy had no idea what he meant, so his friend explained. He was quoting Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. That's where that term comes from, kissing the wave. And, you know, it's easier said than done. But that is how spiritual growth happens. Kissing the wave, approaching those obstacles, those difficulties, those Seemingly impossible situations, and you meet them head on and and right in front. Well, let's look at those three things talked about, those three thoughts about this portion of scripture as we go through all this. First of all, face your fear. If you want to kiss the wave, you got to face your fear. If you got the the Egyptian army coming at you full speed, it is fight or it's flight, one of the two. Yet Moses says, fear not. Easier said than done, but courage is not the absence of fear. Fear is a prerequisite of this. The question is this, how do you manage fear in moments like this, But they seem overwhelmingly impossible? How do you face those moments? How do you manage your fear? According to psychologists, we are only born with two fears. Did You know that? Just two fears. One is the fear of falling. And the other is the fear of loud noises. Just think about it. You hold a little infant in your arms. And and someone comes through in the house and slams the door. The little guy goes, (laughs) or if you make a loud noise. So two fears. We're born with two fears. And uh, every other fear, though, that we have is learned some way, somehow. Somehow learned. Which means every other fear can be unlearned. Faith is a process of unlearning fear. And how do you do that? Well, 1 John 4.18 tells us a little bit. It says, perfect love casts out all fear. So if you fear God, which is the beginning of wisdom, and it means to hold God in highest esteem, to revere God above all else. If you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. The fear of God is the cure of every other fear. Let me explain this a little bit further. So if you pick a, pick a fear, any kind of fear, like uh, how about the fear of failure? That's probably pretty universal. We don't like to fail whatever element or situation we're in. The cure for the fear of failure is not success. The cure for the fear of failure is failure. In small enough doses that you build up an immunity to it. As I play the piano here for worship, it, it, I, I get nervous about it because I don't want to fail. I want to hit the right notes, right? Keys and everything like that. And when something goes wrong, it's like, oh, man, okay, do that better. But you might hear a note or two kind of go sour. Or at times you, you've witnessed me playing a different key as the rest of the band's going, hello, Jim, where you at? <laughs> We're not in that key. Stuff like that. It's huge. But as I have gone through those things and experienced some failure sometimes at the piano, it has helped me be able to get used, not in the way of, you know, I don't care, but get used to that failure where it, it doesn't become so much of a fear anymore. And, and so as I go through that and I, 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 I fail, it's like, oh, okay, well, keep on going. And we move on. But we learn from it. We don't just set it aside and don't even care, be apathetic about it. So in small little doses of failure, then we overcome that fear of failure as well, too. You need to identify the type of fear you're dealing with. What kind of fear might you be going through? Is the fear of failure, possibly? Maybe it's the fear of rejection. Maybe it's fear of intimacy. Maybe it's fear of the future. It was fear of certain social situations. You have to identify it. Then you don't avoid it. You actually expose yourself to it in small enough ways that you build up some immunity to it. You wade into the water like Nashon did. You kiss the wave. I've read that, uh, that nine times out of 10, failure is poorly managed success, and success is well-managed failure. For some of us, one of the greatest things that could happen to us is for the thing we fear to actually happen because it will set you free. Now, if you get a whole gigantic dose of it, it might put you back a bit, but in small doses, it helps you out. And here's another thing to consider as well. We are a community of faith. We eat faith for breakfast. We eat faith for lunch and dinner. We just, we're all about faith. And the net result is that we dream big, we pray hard, and we think long in our faith. We go after God-sized goals. We elevate and activate each other's faith, and it creates a barrier against fear. We come together and encourage one another. When you know someone's praying for you, it, it, it eases that anxiety and, and, and fear to know that There's a God who's listening to these prayers, and He's going to answer. One final thought on facing fear. All of us want a miracle, but none of us wants to be in a situation that necessitates a miracle. (laughs) We don't want to be in those moments. They are stressful, whether it's waiting for uh, closing of a house in time, to be able to get off to Iowa, whatever it might be. We love miracles. But to be in those moments that require those miracles, that's tough. But you can't have one without the other. And here's the good news. When you experience a setback, you don't take a step back because God is already preparing your comeback. (laughs) You're going to be on your way. So what does God say to Moses in Exodus chapter 14, verse 4? If you haven't seen it yet, He says, I have planned this in order to display my glory. There's a plan for all this happening. God is going to put His glory on display one way or the other in your life, in all the different things that you're going through, God is going to be glorified. So face your fear. second thing that needs to happen in order to kiss the wave is stand your ground. Stand your ground. The New Living Translation in this says, stand still. As in, be still and know that I am God. The NIV says, stand firm, as in having done all to stand, then stand firm. The Amplified uh, version says, take your stand. And the Good News translation says, stand your ground. Whichever way you slice it, what is the hardest thing to do if the Egyptian army is coming at you full speed? What's the hardest thing to do? Not running away. (laughs) not running away. When you see something coming after you, you're thinking, "Uh, you're not thinking I'm going to stand my ground and take the force of this. You're looking to step aside, <laughs> let the thing go by, right? There's a scene in the movie Ford versus Ferrari. I don't know if any of you have seen that movie at all, but um, it's where Carroll Shelby, the race car driver played by Matt Damon, he says, there's a point of 7,000 RPM where everything fades. The machine becomes weightless. It just disappears. All that's left is a body moving through space and time. 7,000 RPM, that's where, you, that's where you meet it. That's where you feel it. It creeps up on you and it asks you a question. The only question that really matters, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Now, I have no idea what thoughts are firing across uh, the, the brain of, uh, uh, of Moses. What's going on in his mind when all this is going on here? You know, but you know, I'm sure his mind is spinning at 7,000 RPMs. <laughs> Where do we go? What do we do? I wonder if he has a flashback, maybe to the burning bush, his experience there with God, and he asks the God the question during that time, the burning bush: "Who am I? Who am I that you would send me?" Don't you just love the way God answers the question by not answering the question Moses asked? But by answering the question Moses should have asked, (laughs) God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. That's all we need to know. So it's 7,000 RPMs, and Moses says, stand still. These are the moments when we discover who we are and who God is. This is so counterintuitive that it ranks right up with something General Anthony McAuliffe said to American troops when they were surrounded by the enemy at the Battle of the Bulge. He said, men, we have the greatest opportunity ever afforded an army. We can attack in any direction. That is flipping the script, as we talked about last Sunday. That is kissing the wave. In crisis situations, we need to go back to ground zero. We need to go back to the foot of the cross. We need to make a beeline for the empty tomb, and we need to go back to the promises we can stand on. He who began a good work is going to carry it to completion. He is working all things together for good. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we sing songs, maybe like Great is Thy Faithfulness, as we're going through those situations. or Maybe Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so to help us and guide us through those moments. We need to go back to the daily spiritual disciplines. Because the only ceiling on our intimacy with God and impact on the world is daily spiritual disciplines. We keep meeting with God and praying and reading His Word. The ceiling gets higher and higher in our day as we have those spiritual daily disciplines going on. You press on and pray through. You stay grounded in God's Word during those times. And that's how you stand your ground. Having done all to stand, you stand. You fight one more round. If you stay humble and stay hungry, there's nothing God cannot do in you or through you. That's how we stay in our lane. That's how how we stay the course. The most underestimated kind of power It's staying power. It's long obedience in the same direction. It's the cumulative effect of faith, hope, and love coming together. It's the compound interest in prayer and fasting. On November 31st, 1517, maybe a date you're familiar with, Martin Luther posted 95 Theses on the Doors of the Castle Church. When he was told to recant at the Diet of Worms, Luther said, My conscience is taken captive by God's word. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. We need that kind of moral courage, especially in this cultural movement that we have going on standing our ground. So how do you kiss the wave? You ground yourself in the Word of God. You anchor yourself to the promises of God, but you also embrace the pain and embrace the suffering. You've got to learn the lesson and cultivate the character. (laughs) But often when we go through seasons of suffering or pain, We're eager to get out of those situations. We don't want to live there very long. It's not fun. Sometimes we focus so hard on getting through them that we forget to grow through them. Get me to the next thing, Lord, because I'm done here. Get me moving on. I'm I'm finished with this suffering stuff. I'm, I'm done. And it's often beneficial to look for the lesson in the middle of your suffering season and then ask God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What am I supposed to learn? It's through this introspective process that we begin to grow through our suffering rather than allowing the suffering to diminish us as well as our faith. Mark Batterson, the author of the book, Win the Day, he illustrates this concept through the story of how he and his wife had to grow through a season of suffering when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. This diagnosis could have destroyed them, but instead they used it to their advantage by growing through it. They not only grew in their faith, but they took the, the opportunity to remove all toxins from their life, uh, social toxins, sometimes people as well, but situations too. And they were very de- deliberate about how they allow, what they allowed in their lives. Sometimes God delivers us from suffering but most times he delivers us through it. And this means we can find purpose through our suffering by discovering ways to not only help ourselves, but to help others as well. Have you ever noticed that through suffering, you learn to better relate to the suffering of others? You know what they're going through, because you are going through it. The way that God uses suffering for the betterment of our lives is the way we develop a deeper empathy for those who suffer after us. We can be there for them. We can kind of lead the way. This is how I've done it. This is how God did it through me. Stand firm. Stay the course. Whatever it might be, when we grieve the loss of a loved one, we are able to better understand the emotions and pain that someone else feels when they grieve the same loss. When we find stress and frustration through economical trials, (laughs) we are able to relate to someone else who also experiences these these anxieties as well. It's not for nothing that we go through suffering. Some of you are pretty familiar with the five stages of grief. You've gone through it or going through it. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. But there's one more that needs to be added to the mix. According to David Kessler, there's a sixth stage. It's called meaning. Meaning. feels kind of funny quoting Frederick Nietzsche, but uh, Nietzsche said, he who has a, a why to live can bear almost any how. If you have a why to live, then you can bear it almost anyhow. So stand your ground. Stand your ground. A third thing that needs to happen if you want to kiss that wave is hold your peace. Hold your peace. There's an uh, an ancient tradition practiced in Orthodox churches called pass the peace. Passing the peace. It actually traces back to the Sermon on the Mount. If you're offering a gift and realize you're at odds with someone, you go and be reconciled. That's how you counteract racial tension, political polarization as well. You go and make it right with those that you are in conflict with. You interrupt the pattern. You, you love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute you. You bless those who curse you. And when we pass the peace, heaven invades earth. Let me back up one one step here though. It's really hard to pass the peace if you don't learn how to hold your peace. And let's be honest, a lot of people have lost their peace these days. One third of Americans struggle with anxiety or depression. That was exasperated during COVID. But how do we get it back? How do you hold your peace when it seems like the world is spinning off its axis? when the train is going off the tracks. As those who follow the Prince of Peace, we stay calm and carry on, following the Prince of Peace all along the way. We are people who follow the one who rebuked the wind and the waves. We hear him say to the storm, peace, be still. We don't take offense, we we play offense through him. We don't react, we proact. And how do we do that? As grace givers and as peacemakers. We bring the grace, we bring the peace wherever we are at. And when we do, we shift the atmosphere. We shift the the feelings in that area, in that room we're in. We change the narrative. How do you hold your peace? One way you do it is by owning your past. You have to own your past. If you don't own the past, the past owns you and comes back to haunt you. A Russian physiologist by the name of Ivan Petrovich Pavlov, you might have heard of him before, once did a pretty famous experiment to see if he could condition dogs to salivate for something other than food. Pavlov wanted to condition these dogs by sounding a buzzer every time he, he would feed them so that they would begin to associate the sound of the buzzer with the food. And eventually, Pavlov's dogs would salivate at the sound of the buzzer even when no food was presented because the dogs were conditioned to respond to the buzzer rather than the food. And they heard the noise and they're like, oh boy, something's coming. <laughs> Yum. There are many experiences in our lives that have conditioned us in one way or another. Some good. Some bad. Our past hurts can condition us to trust a little less. Or maybe use sarcasm as a defense mechanism. And Too often we let pain condition us by owning us, rather than taking control of the past and owning it. When we let the past control us, we surrender ourselves to unhealthy coping mechanisms that keep us trapped in time. Don't let go of that past, and we're just living in the past. We often fixate on the feelings we felt during the trauma we experienced and use that as a way to develop unhealthy habits. In order to avoid these unhealthy habits, we need to self-evaluate the coping mechanisms. What are we doing to cope with the situation? We may have unintentionally have, have initiated those coping mechanisms that are sabotaging our, our growth, It's crucial to identify and then interrupt those unhealthy patterns. And just like coping mechanisms can be unhealthy for our growth, we can sometimes allow our past to form emotional scar tissue. That then builds up in the form of unhealthy defense mechanisms as well. As a result of emotional trauma, maybe betrayal in your life, we can allow unforgiveness to build like scar tissue around our hearts. And this will lead to bitterness and will lead to resentment. The only way to avoid these defense mechanisms is to employ forgiveness. Forgiveness whenever we experience emotional trauma or pain. Forgiveness, while it is not easy, forgiveness heals the heart in a way that allows us to move forward and away from unhealthy defense mechanisms that are keeping us from winning the day. God can heal you of of past trauma, of of past pain, and through that season of suffering allow you to grow healthy qualities along the way. What you do with this newfound healing is very important. It's not, not enough to simply be healed by the divine power of God. It's also vital that you develop healthy habits moving you forward. You walk in the ways that He has for you then. You must form new healthy habits to replace the old unhealthy ones. All those things that held you back. Otherwise, you will fall right back where you were, or even worse. You cannot change the past, but you can learn from it. Then you can bury it six feet deep (laughs) and don't go back there again. I don't know what you need to bury, but it's time to kiss the wave. A pretty simple, pretty simple message today. If you want to kiss the wave, you have to face your fear. You've got to take your stand. And of course, you've got to hold your peace. And nothing easy about these three things. Like I said, easier said than done. But I love what happens next. In Exodus 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward other decides to move forward. Get going. I'm not sure what step of faith you need to take. I do know this. The first step is the hardest step. You have to overcome the law of inertia, like I said, by ex- exercising initiative. You have to overcome fear by exercising faith. If you need marriage counseling, it's hard to wade into the water. If it's losing weight, it's hard to wade into the water. If you're trying to meet new people, it's hard to wade in the water. If it's resolving conflict, it's hard to wade into the water. That first step is always the hardest step. But if you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. You have to do the natural. If you want God to make a sidewalk through the sea, you have to wade into the water and kiss the wave. There are two kinds of people in the world. You probably heard that phrase before, and I mentioned it before as well too in other messages. But there are two kinds of people in the world, plotters and plotters. Plotters with two T's, of course, and plotters with two D's. Plotters are those people who see the far off future. They have vision beyond their resources. They set God-sized goals. They dream the unthinkable and attempt the impossible. Great to have people like that around you. They spur you on, they motivate you. Many admire plotters with two T's, but I'll tell you plotters with two D's are admired even more. These are the people who get up every morning, every day and win the day. They continue on doing the things that need to be going on right in their lives. They stay humble, they stay hungry, they stay in their lane, they stay the course. Little by little, with each regular step, they make their way and they win that day. Remember Noshen? He's the patron saint of plotters, with <laughs> two Ds. <laughs> what if he stopped after stepping into the water? Or quit when he was waist deep? <laughs> nothing going on here, can I come out now? <laughs> what if he had stopped when the water reached his chin? <laughs> Sometimes we quit too soon. Sometimes we give up too easily. And we need to keep plodding on. You know what we need to do? We need to follow the example of the one who knows us the best. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. In other words, he kissed the wave for you and me. So let's kiss the wave that throws us against the rock of ages. Those difficulties come our way, let's be ready for them and trust the one who has the best in mind for us. He wants to provide the best for us in our lives. We just need to be ready to kiss the wave, stand our ground, standing firm, Trusting in Him. Whatever difficulty you're going through, you can trust God through it. He will provide. He will carry you through those situations. Now, how are you doing, though, in those situations? Maybe you're in one right now, and you're getting kind of weary. You're wondering if this will ever end. You're wondering if God will ever answer this prayer that you've been praying. Don't give up. Keep on going. Keep plodding along. God is with you. He will provide and encourage you all along the way by bringing bringing people in your life to come alongside and say, how you doing? How can I pray for you? Is there something you need? How, How can I help you along the way? God uses people like that in our lives to keep us moving forward in those suffering and painful moments. If you're in those moments right now, keep trusting God Keep plodding along. He will provide the way through it. And he'll teach you something along the way as well, too. We just got to be ready to learn. I'm going to have Don come on up. Annie and Don are going to lead us in the last couple songs. Let me pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, I ask that you'd continue to be with each one of us as we've now, we've heard your message, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we've heard you and we've heard the scripture read as well, too, that we would not only just be hearers of your word, we would be doers. So Lord, if you're bringing to us, bringing to our attention some things in our lives that we need to give over to you, maybe we're getting weary during the time of of this trial and suffering that we're going through. We're, we're, We're done with kissing the wave. We've kissed it so much, we're just weary and worn out. Lord, I pray that you would meet those people today and encourage them, infuse them, Lord, with your peace, just knowing that you are in control. You will provide. Help us, Lord, to cling to you through these times, rock of ages, that we can be strengthened by you, ready to continue on. Bring someone, Lord, our way that, that we, can, we can hug, we can talk to, we can walk through together. So Lord, I ask that you just continue to provide and and all along the way of those people who are here today dealing with those situations. And Lord, I pray also too that you'd help us be able to face our fears, stand our ground and hold on to, hold our peace and be able to share that with others. Lord, thank you for speaking to us today. Just continue to work in our lives as we allow you to during this time of prayer. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.